Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern-style worship and an on-time message from God's Word by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. Isn't that a great time of worship we've enjoyed this morning? Amen. Thank you, praise team, for all the work that you put in. We appreciate that. I feel like I'm a, in the ninth grade having my first speech class. I've got me some posters up here that I'm going to use. Did y'all have your ninth grade speech class? I was scared to death when we had that little first speech you had to do. But I'm going to share with you some things this morning and some things that I feel like are, are very, very important. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I would encourage you to give your heart to Jesus. He died on the cross to pay the price for your sin. There is no other hope or help except Jesus Christ and Him alone. You can try all you want to, do everything you need to, you think, to get there. But there's only one way to the Father. Jesus said it, who never lies. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through and by me. So if you've never given your heart to Jesus, I encourage you to do that. And we'll be happy to help you know how to do that and pray with you. And our invitation time we'll have in a few minutes. So I invite you to come. The reason I say that is because this morning I'm going to talk to you as a family. We're talking about church family and our church family. And talking about something that we're in the midst of. And I'm going to be as transparent as I can with you regarding my spiritual journey of how we came to where we are and what we're doing at this particular time in the vision that God has given to us. I want to be able to share that with you. And so I want to share with you about what I'm calling a journey to vision. A journey to the vision. And the vision that we're in the midst of right now is called the 2020 vision. I hope all of you have read this. The 2020 vision, Together We Will. That's, that's what we're about, and it's got so many projects, so many things that we're doing. There's two parts of it. One is the 2020 vision. 2020 vision focuses on a couple of things. One is that vision is of utmost importance. Without vision, the people perish. If we're going to be about the kingdom business, God's going to give to us a vision that we're to follow, and as we follow that, we'll please Him and honor Him. The 2020 is the aspect that 2020 vision is perfect vision. And we want to have perfect sight to be able to see exactly what the Lord would have us to do. And so that 2020 plays that part. But also, 2020 has to do with the year 2020. That we believe that the Lord wants us to implement each one of these things by the end of 2020. So that means we've got a year and a half, a little over a year and a half to get these things done. We're working on them right now. And it's an exciting time that we're in the midst of, all right? So that's the 2020 vision. But the second part is where I really want to spend some time today and share with you, and that is the theme of Together We Will. Together We Will. And how did we come about that, and what happened, and what does it mean in Together We Will? Well, let's go back a few years. In the year of 2017, I set my heart to try to discern what the Lord would want us to do. What is the next vision? What is the next step in the renewal of our fellowship as we seek to minister to our city and the community of Anniston? So what did God want us to do? And I spent time focusing in on that. And I introduced that in 2018. I introduced it in January and February of 2018. And when we introduced that, it was called this, Together We Can. Together We Can. And I shared that with some of our leadership and our people as a whole. And there were some concerns about certain things about it and certain things people weren't supportive of. And, and it was an interesting thing to me because in the midst of that, uh, God just revealed to me that we weren't in a place and we weren't ready to do this project. So we took it off the table. 
we took that uh, together we can off the table, and we, uh, we just weren't going to do that. So the rest of 2018, I began to seek the Lord and ask what he would want us to do and what he would have us to do. And through various events that happened and through scripture I read and through my prayer and meditation time, the Lord gave birth to what we are about now, and that is together we will. So, so the Lord told me to do away with together we can, right? And, and so what we're doing is we are doing together we will. You got it? We're doing together we will. Now, I, I want you to hold on with me just a second. We're going to talk about this today. That seems like just a, a simple thing to change that one word. Together we can to together we will. Together we will is, is many of the things we were doing and together we can and, and additional things that God laid about. But he impressed upon my heart that we were to change the name to together we will. Because even though it's one word, it totally transforms the meaning. It totally transforms what we're about and the basis of our faith and who we're depending on to get these things done. Is it us or is it someone bigger than us? And so today I want to focus on this matter of together we will. And I want to do that by sharing with you in God's scripture. I want to share with you really some important things to help us to understand four words. Four words. One word is the word can. The other is the word will. Together and we. All right. Those four words, because those are the four words that were included on the first sign, and the other word is added in the second sign. And I want you to see scripturally why that is so very important and how that transforms the meaning. And I'm hoping to encourage you to join in in what God is doing, what God has promised he will do, and the vision that he's given us as a fellowship and as a church family to be able to accomplish his purpose and to join him in his work and to watch him above everything else get the glory for everything. Amen? And so I hope that you as a church family will listen carefully, will grasp these truths and come to understand these truths and challenge your heart. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn first of all to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And I want to talk to you about the word can. What was wrong with the words, or this, these words, together we can? That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Together we can. And, and where would the biblical basis, where's the biblical basis for the fact of together we can? Well, it's found here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Many of you, that might be your favorite verse of Scripture. This is what it says. I can, there's that word, I can do all things through him, talking about Jesus, who strengthens me. That's a great verse, isn't it? I can do all things through Jesus who strengthens me. Well, that that would be the biblical basis for this statement that together we can. Together we can. But that word can carries a certain meaning and allows there to be certain things that I don't think that the Lord wanted in our vision. Let Let me talk to you about that a minute. Write these things down if you would. When you use the word can, that speaks about possibility, right? That's a word of possibility. It may even be a word of probability, that it it will happen or it might happen, it could happen. But the word can, there is always the point that it is a possibility, a possibility. 
that this might happen. Something else about that word, that word can is a statement of personal capability. Write that down. When I say I can, I'm talking about my personal capability. If we can, we're talking about our personal capability. That means that we have the ability to do something. We believe we have the ability to do something. So when we say together we can, we're saying we believe that we have the ability, the capabilities, all that's necessary in order to do something. So it's in the realm of possibility, and it has a lot to do with our capabilities. Third thing. It heavily, it, it heavily depends upon us and our abilities and resources. Mm-hmm. If it says we can, who's that responsibility laid off on? Me and you, right? I mean, it's dependent on us. If it's going to get done, it's going to be my ability. It's going to get done. It's going to be your capability. It's going to get done. It's going to be our resources. It just totally focuses in on what we are able to do or what we believe we can do. Nothing wrong with that. It's just not the best position to be in in relationship to God as his church. A fourth thing I want you to write about that. It allows for a realm of doubt. Isn't that true? When it says together we can, there is a realm of doubt that it would happen or not. Listen to me just a second. Let's let's make it a personal thing. In that great verse of Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 that says that... Through him or in him, I can do all things. Is that true in your life every day? Is that true in your life every day? Are you doing all things? Are you doing all things God wants you to do? Are you accomplishing everything God wants you to do every day in your life? Are you doing that? How many of us would say that? None of us would say that. So here's this great verse that says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. That's a great verse, a great promise to hold on to. But the reality of it is, it doesn't always happen. It doesn't always come to be. There's a realm of doubt of whether or not it would happen. So that verse is a wonderful verse. And if lived out and letting Jesus be the strength of your life, you can do all things. But that word can is as good a word as it is not the best word that we need. And, and God spoke to my heart about that. He, he said just together we can is not it. Together we can is not it. But rather there's another word that can change that and totally transforms the meaning. And that is mark out the word can and put the word will. And you say, well, can you really do that? Can we say that? Let me show you a verse of Scripture. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 24. And I want you to memorize this when you get home, okay? This is a great verse. Listen to what this verse says. Paul is writing to the Thessalonian Christians. Remember, as a whole, every Christian there at Thessalonica. Faithful is he who calls you. And he will also bring it to pass, or he will also do it. Faithful is he who called you, and he will, there's that word, he will do it. Wow, that's a big difference, amen? (laughs) That, That just changed the whole realm. Instead of it talking about me, it's talking about who? It's talking about him. 
talking about me. It's talking about him. It, it, you know what it says he did? It says he called us. He called us unto salvation. He called us into a spiritual journey. But he also calls us to follow his vision. Amen. And when God calls us to follow his vision and we accept that call and we follow his vision, faithful is he. Now talk about you and me. Faithful is he who calls us that he, not me, that he will do it. A big difference between can and will. Isn't that true? That, that change of a word makes all the difference in the world. It makes all the difference in the heavenlies. Talk about that word will for just a minute. Listen to what it says. Number one, these compared to what we wrote down about can. It speaks of a confident outcome. There is no possibility. There is no probability. It just speaks of a confident outcome. This is going to happen. This is going to take place. I have confidence that it will come to pass. Second thing, it is a statement of certainty. It is a statement of certainty. There is no doubt about it. It's just a statement. This will happen. This will happen. A, A third thing. It must be dependent on one who never fails. Right? Hold on a second. If we're actually going to make a statement of certainty and we are confident about the outcome, then we're going to have to realize it's going to have to be based on somebody who never fails. Is that you? No, it's not me. It's not you. So it's got to be based on somebody else who never fails. Who is it that never fails? God never fails. That verse of scripture says he is faithful. It's talking about the faithfulness of God, not our faithfulness. Matter of fact, there's another scripture that says whenever we are faithless, he is still faithful. Isn't that great to know? That when we fail and we don't measure up, he always does measure up. He is always faithful. He cannot help but be faithful. And so what this is saying that he will do something is based on his faithfulness. And therefore, we are talking about somebody who's going to do it who never fails. That's talking about God Almighty. And man, I feel a lot more comfortable when I'm thinking about God's ability, God's capabilities, and God's resources than I do about my abilities and my resources. What about you? A final thing about that word uh, will It removes all realm of doubt. When you make the statement, God will, we will, together we will, it removes all, all thought, all realm of doubt. Matter of fact, it is one of the boldest statements of faith that you can make. That we will, together we will. He will. That's what faith is all about. Not I'm hoping he will. He might be able to. He could. It'd be wonderful if he shows up. But it's based on the fact of his promised word. And his promised word says he's always faithful. If he calls you to do it, he will do it. He will move heaven and earth to get it accomplished. He'll provide every resource that is necessary. He will do it all. And he will allow it to come to pass. See, changing that word from can to will 
totally transforms the statement of the vision. It totally changes it around as far as where it's focused on, how you feel about it as far as possibility or confident outcome, can versus will. There's another word, though, I want to talk about, and that's the word we. Together, together, we will. Together, we will. Now, whenever we're talking about we, who, who are we talking about? If we're using the word can, this is our focus. If we're using the word can instead of the word will, we're focused on our church family. If we say together we can, we're, we're looking around at each other. and We're focused on one another. T- together we can. T- together it's a possibility. Together we might be able to do it. We're going to focus on each other. And, and that means, secondly, we're going to be turned around and we're going to be looking at each other. And we're going to try to examine and find out who here has the resources, the capabilities, their abilities to join in to help this get done. And, and our whole focus is going to be on each other. And we're going to be trying to rally each other in this aspect of can. But it's a nervous position to be in because our frailty and our limited resources are always present, always evident, and always cause us to wonder in that recess of our heart, is this really going to get done? Is it really going to happen? Well, let me say this to you. If it's just you and me and just a church without God, we only need to say we can. We don't need to say we will, right? Because if we were trying to do this apart from God, we would be presumptuous. Wouldn't we be presuming? We're presuming that we have the ability to do something. And one of the worst sins in the Bible, you know one of the worst sins in the Bible, look it up, is the sin of presumption. To presume on God. And if we were saying that we are going to be able to do this, or we can do this, or we're going to get this done in ourselves without regard to God, we would be sinning the sin of presumption. We'd be elevating our abilities of what we think we can do when we say we can. Wait a minute. Whenever we use that word will, something totally different. You know what that means? To have the confidence to say that something will happen, it means that we have to widen our circle. We have to widen our circle. When it's can, it's just you and me looking at each other. But when it says we will, we're not going to be able to say can, that's presumptuous. But in order to say will, we've got to widen our circle. You know how wide our circle's got to be? Our circle has got to be wide enough that it takes in Almighty God. Isn't that true? <laughs> that, that when we're saying we will, it's not we, the church. But it's talking about we, the church, and Almighty God will get this done. That this will happen because He is involved. He is included. And when we're going to go do something in the kingdom work, and we're going to go fulfill His vision, and we're going to be able to accomplish His purpose, I'll assure you one thing. God never gives us anything and backs off from it. God gives us and is in the midst of it. Amen? He's in the midst of helping us to do what he has called us to do. Because remember, that verse says that he is faithful. That he is faithful. And the one who is faithful will cause it to happen. The one who is faithful will bring it to pass. See, whenever we include God in our circle, when saying that he will, we're not being presumptuous. We're a statement of faith. 
God, with you, with you, we can do all things. With you, everything can happen. With you, everything is fine. Because we're not looking at my capabilities or your capabilities or your resources or my resources. We're looking to God. How, how much ability does God have? How many resources does God have? He has it all. He has more than enough. And so based on the fact that we're doing what he told us to do and we're trying to accomplish that purpose, and he has said that he's called us to that, we can say that he will because he is included in our circle. And we're looking to him. We're looking to him to be the person who provides. Can, can I give you a scriptural basis for that? Let me, let me turn your Bibles there for John, the Gospel of John, chapter 15. He makes it very clear, Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples about what we can do and what he can do. That's what it says, John 15, verse 5. I'm the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Listen to this now. For apart from me, you can do nothing. <laughs> All right. When we're talking about our capabilities, what can we do apart from God? What did he say we do apart from God? Absolutely Nothing. We can't do a thing apart from God. So if we're going to look around in our circle and we don't have God in the midst of our circle, God's already told us you're not going to be successful because you can't do anything apart from me. So you just don't need to even try. You need to make sure that you have me in your circle. So look at verse 7. Verse 7 is the opposite of this. He says, but if you abide in me and my word abide, words abide in you, listen, ask whatever you wish. And it shall be done for you. Well, that's a totally different thing, isn't it? Apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. But if you will abide in me. Now, what does that mean? That means to make our home with him. That, that means to invite him to, to come and make his home in us. That, that means we want to include him, Right? We want to include him in what we're doing, that, that our we is, is we with him in it. That if you abide in me and my words, what I speak, they abide in you. In other words, I'm in your life and I'm Lord of your life and I'm leading your life and directing you and I'm telling you what to do and I'm giving you that vision. And, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Heaven and earth will be moved to accomplish that. If I abide in you and my word abide in you and you abide in me, you can have the confidence. But apart from him, we can do nothing. So as your pastor and as a, as a people, I want us to state today, Lord, whenever we say that together we will, we are including you in our circle. <laughs> We are not being presumptuous to think we can do anything, for your word says we can do nothing. We are including you in our circle, and not only are we including you in our circle, you are the chief one in the circle. <laughs> we need you in the circle more than anybody else because we are frail, and we are human, and we have limitations, and we don't know what tomorrow holds. But, Lord, one thing we do know, you hold tomorrow, and that you are always faithful. So as we say we... We include you. We choose to include you. So that whenever we make the statement that together we will, it is a statement of our faith and our trust and our relationship and our fellowship with you. That you've called us. You've called us. And we're walking where you tell us to walk. 
believing that you walk with us, and we will. So a difference in the word can, there's a difference in the word will, and we saw about the importance of who we is in relationship to those two words. But the last word is, is a very important word. It's, it's the largest word, and it's the first word in the sentence. But I wanted to save it to last because it's so very, very important. It's that word together. Together means two things. It means, as we just stated, that together is a partnership with God. That we are in a partnership with God. And in that partnership, he's the boss and we're the servants. Amen? (laughs) In, In that relationship, in that partnership, he's in charge and we're obedient to do whatever he would tell us to do. So we are together with the Father. We're together with the Lord God. But also, we are together with one another. We are together with one another as a fellowship. Isn't it amazing in God's word how whenever God pairs up with his people who are together, that phenomenal, miraculous, amazing things take place. Whether you study in the Old Testament or whether you study in the New Testament, it doesn't matter. When God's people come together and they're under the direction of God, his power is released all throughout the Bible. I challenge you to go home and and look at that. Just read stories in the Bible. Whenever there's the power of God released, I'll give you one. Whenever it was the city of Jericho and the fact that they were going to see the walls come tumbling down... What did he tell what did he tell them to do? He said that you're to take all your men and you walk around that city seven times, don't say a thing until the seventh day you walk seven times and then you're going to shout, blow the horn and and the walls will come tumbling down, but they did it together. They did it together. They made a mistake the next time when they went to Ai. They didn't go together. They just sent a small little group. Achan had sinned. And they got whipped. Next time when they went to defeat Ai, they went together. Exactly. Let me show you a New Testament illustration of that. Turn your Bibles to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2. Remember what happens in Acts chapter 2? Acts chapter 2 is when the Spirit of God comes on the day of Pentecost. Jesus had promised. He said, listen, the Spirit, the one I have promised you, is going to come. You're to go and you're to wait. And what a transformation, what a powerful experience that was when the Holy Spirit came. But I want to read it for you. Look what it says in Acts 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were, here it is, they were what? All together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house Where they were seated. The Holy Spirit came into that house. When what? When they were together. There is power when God's people come together. And the Lord God has the opportunity to work in his people. In Acts chapter 4 verse 31. It says. And when they had prayed. The place where they had gathered. Here's that word. Gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. 
Two experiences in the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit came and the power of God was released. And it says in both of those places, and they were together. There is importance in being together. That's what it means to be a church family. A church family has chosen to come together. We have chosen to be under the inspiration of God's word. We've chosen to let the Holy Spirit lead us. We have chosen to follow his purposes and his plans. And as he gives to us a vision, he's called on each one of us and every one of us to come together. To partner with one another. More important, to partner with him. And to know confidently that if we will partner together, he will do it. So that we can say, without a shadow of a doubt, together we will. (laughs) The things that God's given to us, I hope you look at that little blue book. I hope you'll see it. Man, there there are some lofty goals in there. (laughs) And and there's a lot of things that God's going to have to show up in a powerful way. But the exciting part is that as God has told us to do it, and we are partnering with him, he will do it. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know what instruments he's going to use to do it. But I can tell you this. He's going to do it. And we're going to have the opportunity to impact our community and expand our ministries, expand our mission, to make a difference in our community. And God's going to do it. For those of you who've been in our church since I came here, you know that I came here based on four promises of God's Word. Whenever the church had voted to call me, before I ever said whether or not I would come to the pastor, God had told me I had to read the entire Word of God from beginning to end. And so I sat down in one week and I read from Genesis to the Revelation to find out what God would say. And as I read that, he gave me four promises. Those are four foundational promises. One of those has to do in Haggai 2.9 about the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former. Another of those has to do about the children will be playing in the streets. It's a promise about reaching children and seeing the ministry to children and young families expand and God's doing that. Another was about that he would restore all that the swarming locusts had eaten. (laughs) But the final of those promises is found in Revelation. It's found in Revelation chapter 3. And here's an interesting part about that. God gave me that promise. And of all the promises he gave me, this is the one I had the hardest time figuring out what it has to do with. That's what it says, 3.8 of Revelation. I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut because you have little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. And of all those four promises for these 12 years, I wonder, I don't really know, I don't really know what that promise has to do with. <laughs> I haven't seen that promise applied. But as I've been praying and seeking and planning to share with you what we're sharing today and what we shared over the next few weeks about vision and about what God wants us to do together. God spoke to my heart and said, that's where that promise has to do. I I didn't know it would take 12 years for God to bring about the reality of that promise. But what did he say? I'm placing before you an open door and no one can shut it. If you do what I tell you to do, if you accomplish what I'm promising you to do, that here's my promise to you, there's a door that's open that cannot be shut. 
Not based on your goodness or your greatness. Not based on our fellowships, goodness or greatness. But based on three things. That you have little power. Now that's talking about a state of humility. That we have a state of humility. That we realize that we don't have anything in us. Amen. It's all about him. We're nobodies. He's everything. And, and I think our humility of heart and our relationship of knowing we need him is the first thing. And he says, the second thing, you have kept my word. And there's one thing we've been trying to do for 12 years is to teach God's word, to teach God's word. When everywhere you find in the Christian faith and all kinds of different denominations and all kinds of people think they're running away from what the word of God says. They try to deny what the word of God says. They try to change what the word of God says. I'm here to tell you our fellowship and Southern Baptist as a whole, but I can tell you it's our fellowship. We believe the word of God is the word of God and we believe we're supposed to read it and not only read it and know it, we're supposed to live it. Amen. As long as I'm pastor here and as long as we're together in this, we'll walk together that we still believe and hold that the word of God is the word of God. And the third thing, we have not denied his power. We realize that everything that can be done and will be done is what he does and for his glory. Nobody gets the glory for that except God and God alone. And based on those three things that I believe our fellowship over 12 years has revealed, God says it's an open door. No one can shut it. I will do it. So I come to you today to say, together we will. Together we will. God has already made his promise, and God has already said he's together with us. The question is for us, are we going to be together with him? And I hope and pray that every one of us will. And we'll join in on what he's doing. Whatever that requires. Even to give sacrificially beyond what we think we can give. So that God has to show up. It's the most exciting time Glenn and I have ever had in our lives. It's where we've made commitments to give something for the vision or for the purpose of God's plan. And we had no idea how we could give that. We had no idea how we could bless that. How we could meet that goal. But then the testimony is that God works, God maneuvers, God does all he does to be able to accomplish that. And it becomes a high watermark in your life when you see God do that personally. And when he does that, it's our fellowship. So I want you as a fellowship to know that with all confidence, based on God's word, that I believe together we will. And I believe that God's going to show himself in a great and mighty way. I want you have that same confidence and I want you to join together with all the rest of us who make up the body of Christ at Parker Memorial and watch to see what God's going to do. Amen. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon dash series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. 
May God bless you until we meet again.